0: Everybody and welcome back to Repeater. My name is Pat
1: and I am Evan
0: and I'd like to welcome you to part 2 of host episodes. Yes. Uh Thanks for being here, Evan.
1: Uh it's great to be here.
0: How does it feel to be our very special guest?
1: It feels wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Truly what I've always desired to be the center of attention on a <laughs> show that I already host. <laughs>
0: Well, it's only taken you two years. How long have we been doing this?
1: Yeah, two, two years. Cool. Something like that.
0: It's a nice slow burn. Yeah, right? Really tricked them.
1: <laughs> um, but no, I'm very happy to be here. Cool. Indeed. Um, second of our our back-to-back host episodes. Yeah.
0: No, this is, it's been fun so far. Let's see if we can keep the momentum going.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, Maybe too. Maybe people don't realize, but um, this is the first episode of this podcast that you're hearing, where Pat and I don't live together.
0: Yeah, it's.
1: Well, this is the second episode. If you just listened to the previous one, sure. But this is the first couple of episodes. But like as a
0: as of us recording, we're
1: recording these back to back.
0: It's been one week since, since I saw you saw looked you. at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. No, a I week. saw
1: you in a we- i saw you a week ago in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, but we had to go all the way to LA to see each other.
0: I mean, listen, sometimes you got to go through great lengths to uh, yes. keep friends.
1: But no, luckily we do live in the same neighborhood. It's true. We still get to see each other.
0: What were you doing in LA?
1: Uh, I was out there doing a show at the UCB with my buddy Ari Miller. We were doing a sketch show called cool. King Prawn Holdings, a conglomerate in crisis. And it was very fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How was it doing a show out at UCB West?
1: Uh, It was cool. We were at, uh, UCB has two spaces in LA. Mm -hmm. We were at UCB Sunset and it was cool. It was a nice kind of mid-sized theater, Uh, super nice space, Uh, very unlike almost every space I've played in in New York in all the years I've been here. Just like, yeah, you know, LA, more spread out. They got more room and the facility is much newer than a lot of the theaters here, obviously. So it was really cool. We were paired with another great show. We were paired with a Bachelor musical. Um, cool. That had like 20 people in it. Uh, so it was, it was excitement, you know, yeah. like a, a good energy in the room by the time we got out there. That's awesome. Uh, and also got to just spend a week hanging out with good friends um, from all walks of life yeah. out there. And uh, one of my uncles as well. So it was good Very week. cool.
0: Yeah. Any standouts other than the show?
1: Got to go see a Dodgers game. Awesome. And we... They, find, they won, but it took 12 innings. So we were there into extra innings, but it was gorgeous. We had great seats, beautiful ballpark, uh, really enjoyed it. And I uh, played some basketball with my buddy, Kevin, who uh, I have not seen in a long time. Nice. I will say though, uh, I should also mention that before I played basketball with Kevin, I met his son, who was new to the world. <laughs> uh, meeting Kevin's son was more of a highlight than playing basketball with Kevin. Uh, Did you like dunk on Kevin? Uh, no, but I cannot wait until his son can dunk on him. <laughs> That'll be the coolest day uh, ever is uh, when Kevin gets dunked on by his yeah. son. Yeah. I hope it's sooner rather than later. Like I hope his his son's like yeah. a 12-year-old who can dunk. That'd yeah, I mean,
0: cool. I'm sure he's on that trajectory. I, I think so. Yeah.
1: Got a ball in his hands, you know, three sure. months old. Yeah. Make it happen.
0: I mean, that's how that works. Yeah. Uh just practice. Practice, practice. that's all it takes. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. It was good to see you. Yes. Uh, but now we're back in New York and I'm curious what you've been listening to recently.
1: So one thing I've been listening to a lot in the last uh week or so is um this song by this duo, I think, band duo, who cares? Called The Cactus Blossoms. And these guys are a um Kind of a throwback country act, similar to like almost like the Everly Brothers or something. And the first song on, I think, what was their last album is called Stoplight Kisses. And it's like this very kind of, uh, it's, it's very kind of bright little country song about uh leaning over for a kiss when you're at a stoplight. So it's it's very sweet. That's adorable. Yeah. Um, and the whole album is really great. I, I like them quite a bit. They're right up my alley. My buddy Louie uh, recommended them to me when I was at my 10-year college reunion a couple weeks ago. Whoa. So it was a good, good pickup from an old music bud. Nice. Who, uh, we were kind of just batting, batting back and forth recommendations for a while. So yeah, that was nice. great. That's like the best way to do that. Hmm. Good way to catch up too. It's yeah. Like, what have you what d- been listening to? It's like, well, uh, actually I'm kind of on this kick right now. Or like a couple years ago, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> I was into this. <laughs> this is build a real good playlist off of that. Pretty much, yeah.
0: What about you? So I've been listening to the new Courtney Barnett, Tell Me How You Really Feel. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Saw her play with Kurt Weil, We went a while ago, Mm -hmm. uh, and that was great. She's an incredible player, um, and I really like, I like the controlled chaos of the way she plays. Um, Anyway, it's a really good album. And there's a song on it called Nameless Faceless. And I think it's a great song. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it's pretty clear about the message that yeah. it's trying to send. And I think that it's very important that these things are being talked about, um, especially in an artist who's doing as well as Courtney is. Yeah. Um, and it, there's definitely like a moment in the song of just understanding what my experience is walking around and how I don't have the experience of other people. Uh, Just the lyric, here it is. It's the, I want to walk through the park in the dark. Men are scared that women will laugh at them. I want to walk through the park in the dark. Women are scared that men will kill them. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's easy to feel like, well, yeah, I mean, people are scared of other people. Um, But I it's nice to hear that in such like a clear way because I'm sure I've been scared in a park, but it's not a frequent thing. Yeah. And to have some, an artist that has a platform like this to have these songs that are able to send these messages out, I think is very important and uh, it's great.
1: Yeah. Really. I mean, it's a powerful uh, line and it does, immediately give you that perspective of like, yes, right. uh, uh, We have the privilege of walking through the world generally not fearing fearing for our lives. And women uh, often walk through the world generally fearing for their lives. Yeah, Uh, And that is something that, you know, obviously we have to be more uh, tuned into in our day-to-day lives because that is the type of thing, man, where like, you see, you see somebody cross the street from you and you're like, oh, that's weird. And you realize like, oh, fuck, man. Most of the world has been like trained to avoid us because mm-hmm. we might kill them. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you know, something that I hope happens for people um, is that maybe it opens some eyes yeah. just to think like, right, this is a different perspective of somebody that lives a life that I have no experience in. Yeah, um, And it's good to have art that does that.
1: Yeah. And Courtney is so crazy adept at putting that song, like the lyrics in that song, that line and many others, uh, into this tune that is like so catchy, so upbeat and fun. Sure. That it's like, how can you not want to sing along and like legitimately learn all the words to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's going to make it sink in. I mean, she's incredible in that way. Yeah, and that's
0: the controlled chaos that I really enjoy because you can have these songs that are just not... I don't... They're just a little more simple and just light. And they, they're they good, just kind of folky yeah. indie rock songs. Um, But then there's another song on there that is just like this massive rocker that's just going to punch you in the face called I'm Not Your Mother, I'm Not Your Bitch. Yeah. And... Also, song. does not mince words. I love <laughs> that.
1: Yeah. No. Uh,
0: but anyway, I'll stop talking about that because I want to know what song you brought
1: today. Aha. Uh, I would like to talk about Somewhere Over the Rainbow by is aka. I will not be able to say his name. <laughs> Israel Khan. I don't have it in front of me. Kamanawake Ole, something like that. A very long Hawaiian name. Informally known as Is. Cool. Let's give a uh, listen to it. So I think the beginning is my favorite part of the song. Because everyone knows this song, like the song in general, Somewhere mm-hmm. Over the Rainbow. But I feel like this part is like Is's stamp on it, kind of. Yeah. You get this voice out of this guy that's just awesome.
0: It pairs well with the ukulele.
1: Yeah. So most of us know the song. Yeah. That's just a little taste at the beginning of it.
0: That is a cool way to start that song. Yeah. It's nice to have a little bit of a vo- vocal flourish up front.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so here is where this is the part of the show where I guess correctly. Cool. Why you picked this song? Um, I happen to know you come from a musical family. Um, you have a lot of instruments in the house, and I feel like you're. Parents probably had a recording of this, um, maybe on a compilation, or maybe they had heard this song and went out and bought this album. Um, but I feel like maybe this was an album that went on on like a Sunday afternoon, like, yard work had been done, and let's just like chill with the family and like maybe pull out a ukulele and like try to learn it. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's too specific, but I, to me, this, my guess is that this is kind of like a family affair with this song, and you have some connection to your younger years.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say that you are uh, vaguely very correct, yeah. but specifically, I have an even more connected memory to this song okay. involving my family. So you are absolutely correct in the sense that uh, this, this, uh, this album that this was on, and a, maybe one or two other Is albums were in my house growing up, and they probably would be put on on something like a Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, or maybe if we were like up at the lake in Vermont or something like that. Um, but they were specifically my mom's albums mm-hmm. uh, because my mom grew up in part of her life in Hawaii and so I think that um so she her family lived in uh northern California for like most of her early childhood and then relocated to Hawaii at a certain point and then moved back to northern California so it's like most of my association my mom's family is northern California but there was this weird period of time you know years before me where that part of my family lived in Hawaii and I think that uh Because of that, my mom always had some Hawaiian music sitting around the house. Mm -hmm. And Iz is kind of, at least in like the 90s, uh, he was sort of like the national treasure of Hawaiian music. He was kind of like the big deal. So we had a few of his albums sitting around. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this version is from the album Alone in Iz World, which might be a greatest hits of some kind or something like that. Um, But also this song pops up on a couple different albums and a couple different versions it's like famously a a song where he like he had really really bad sleep apnea he was very um obese man mm-hmm. and so he couldn't sleep a lot and i believe the story goes that he just like woke up in the middle of the night called his driver called the guy who ran the studio for him or could open the studio or whatever he was like i want to record a song and he like showed up in the middle of the night and did like six takes of this song just with his ukulele and then just went home. <laughs> and that was it. And it's become easily his most famous song. Uh people often know this from like movies and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, commercials, I'm sure, and whatnot. I think the for our generation, I think the biggest movie it was in, it was used all the time throughout um fifty first First Dates, Adam Sandler, <laughs> Drew Barrymore movie. Uh, which is like gives me a real hang-up uh when I Describe kind of like why this song matters to me, but so I've always I'd always kind of liked is and he'd always sort of been this family thing Um and connected pretty directly to my mom because of the Hawaii thing and so Uh, but this 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 song kind of like solidified its place in my heart um after my mom died so she passed um, when I was a freshman in college and we were like home for a few days. There was, you know, a lot of stuff happening, obviously getting preparations. And I think we were borrowing a car from someone. And at some point the CD ended up in the car. I think like me, my brother, and my dad uh, grabbed it on the way out of the house, you know, and we were just like, oh, one of mom's CDs, let's like put it on in the car and What I remember distinctly is it was on as the three of us were driving to uh, her funeral. And we pulled up in front of the church. I think as the song started playing, and you can just kind of like imagine like what we just listened to, of Mm -hmm. just this like solo ukulele coming on. And then this guy, this huge guy singing so sweetly. and then he's singing these lyrics that are, you know, you can interpret somewhere over the rainbow kind of in many different ways, but certainly there's some kind of illusion potentially that you could read into like the afterlife or like beyond the veil or something, mm-hmm. you know, like that. And, um, and we pulled it, like I said, we pulled up to get out for that, like as that song was starting and then we just sat there and listened to the whole song and no one said anything. No one even was like, oh, let's wait till the song's over. It was like a non-decision that got made simultaneously by three people yeah. of like, we're not turning this song off. Um and I can just remember the song ending and my brother just turning the car off, like turning the and taking the key out, and we all just silently got out of the car. Like there's sure. a totally unspoken of moment. Yeah. But where I think uh for a group of like three relatively quiet men sort of like spoke volumes in this, you know, three minute period mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And since then, I mean, man, if you want to turn on a song that'll make me cry, it's this one. <laughs> it's this, one. <laughs> this is like my, I need a good cry on like any day of the week song. Uh, this is like the song I can put on. Yeah. yeah. It
0: It's weird how the universe works, I think, because that's incredibly serendipitous that that happened yeah like clearly you put the album on but the timing yeah is so interesting um and like i can't imagine what that's like um but did did it comfort you going in or do you only really recall being in the car
1: It's a good question. I don't, I do kind of only recall being in the car, but it did, I think part of like having a song, maybe even any song by is, or you know, maybe anyone that my mom would have liked, just like the act of having a song kind of start as we were about to go do this thing felt in its own way. I mean, ominous, but in kind of like a good way. comforting like like hey you're being taken care of um i am not uh and i'm not even trying to be stubborn but like i'm not a religious person Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean i don't occasionally see significance in things you know uh and that was definitely one of those things where i was like oh okay maybe like stuff's connected to some degree and maybe uh we're in the you know as weird as it is but it's like maybe the three of us aren't alone in this like maybe mom's still floating around a little bit, yeah. kind of like looking out for us, um, or at least like letting us know that she's cool, <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or like we could be all right. You know, like sure. whatever you want to mean you want to take from the moment, honestly, probably changes on my the day to day of like how I'm feeling. Yeah, but there's something there. I think that is sort of in that world of like ethereal connection. yeah
0: yeah and I don't want to like put too much on a moment that's not mine but um, it does sound like it also helped sort of solidify like right it is the three of us Um, yeah because you're not alone in it like you have each other and that's great and you have this memory you can kind of look back on uh, or use this as a way to look back on your memories which is cool that's like a, a very special thing to have
1: yeah especially so much of that time like that week or whatever was a real blur um because right out, so my mom died in a car accident and right afterwards my dad and i were both in the hospital briefly uh, my dad for a little bit longer than i and sort of like we're getting rides everywhere you know like we're being taken care of so there's not a lot of like there was not a lot of um conscious decisions being made at that time by at least my dad and i i think my brother probably was making a lot of decisions and having to do a lot of stuff but so yeah there's a lot of that stuff it's like i don't i barely remember you know and there's all these there's there's a few moments here and there um like i can remember like a couple moments in my house maybe between services or maybe before services started i can remember a couple moments at the wake Mm -hmm. a couple moments one or two moments like in the funeral. But in general, this is like the most crystal clear thing. Yeah. I think because it's tied to a song, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's great. That's special. Um, But I met you years after this. Mm. Uh, I unfortunately didn't have a chance to meet your mother. Yeah. What was she like?
1: Uh, It was funny, um, just before we started recording today, my boss, a meeting ended and he looked down at his phone and he said, oh, it looks like there was a big brawl between parents at a youth soccer game. I got to watch this. (laughs) And I was just like, I was getting up to leave the room and I said like, that was my mom. Like (laughs) my mom used, my mom got kicked out. She got kicked out of a youth basketball game once for yelling at the refs. Uh, she used to give umpires such a hard time at baseball games, uh. But she was otherwise a very uh, a pretty like calm person. <laughs> um. But I think it's indicative of she liked sports, but she also liked my brother and I. And my brother and I played sports growing up. Yeah. And she was not a casual fan. She knew the games super well. She knew all the rules. She would. If it was baseball, she would basically always be keeping score, Mm -hmm. like herself on the sidelines and know what was what. And so she was intense about it sometimes, you know, like she, and she wanted us to do well. It wasn't even just like, she she didn't just defend us. It was the team, you know, and if we sucked, uh, we sucked, didn't mean she was gonna defend us. (laughs) Uh, Or if we were wrong, she'd tell us to shut up probably. You know what I mean? Like um, she was pretty fair in that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those, that was like a lot of the, the good stuff. My mom, she liked to, I think, I mean, I think there was always a slice of that Hawaii life that never left her of she hated winter. (laughs) She lived outside of Boston for the majority of her adult life. She hated winter. Uh, she loved the sun and just being out in it and kind of like having a chance to, to relax, uh, that's what I, that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the good stuff. I remember yeah. from my mom, she dug music. She liked, um, she definitely supported my brother and I in all of pursuits artistically and stuff like that. Cause I think she had, she had sung and maybe played a little piano when she was younger and she did like school plays and stuff, musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that was all a little before my time.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's cool that she was supportive across <laughs> everything. It sounds yeah. like.
1: And, she was good. She didn't support. Here's she didn't support me having a girlfriend before I was like seventeen. <laughs> I remember I used to. Uh, I had like a couple of girlfriends in middle school, and one of them, I think it was sixth grade, so pretty early. But one of them like sent a Christmas card to my house, and she maybe I opened it in front of them, like my parents, because I didn't know any better. I just got a Christmas card, and I like, you know, my mom's like, "Oh, who's that from?" Said oh, this is from Sam. And I think she said, "Who is Sam?" And I was like, "Oh, my girlfriend." And She was like, "Mm-hmm," and she was nice about it and like supportive of that relationship. And the minute it ended, I remember her saying something like, uh, "She asked me about some other girl that I would uh, I was friends with," and I was like, "Oh no, we're not dating." And she was like, "Good. I think you're too young to date." <laughs> and that stuck in my head for so long yeah. that she she didn't know about like anyone. I even like kind of dated the rest of middle school and high school until I had been not dating. I'd been really, really good friends with uh, this one uh, woman from my my high school. We were super close and we would see each other all the time so that my mom eventually just assumed that we were dating. <laughs> uh, and she invited her to like, my mom invited her to like her own birthday dinner. Like me, my dad, my mom, and her. Uh, you know, this non-girlfriend sure. at the time. And I remember being like so frustrated and embarrassed my mom like, Mom, we're not dating. Like, how can you and of course like within three months, that was my girlfriend of five years. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, so whether my mom something. was yes. Uh she, maybe she was just going to bat for my friend my yeah. my my my, my not quite girlfriend. Uh so she maybe yeah maybe she helped make that happen. By that time I must have been 16 or 17. And I think yeah. my mom was very okay with it. Yeah yeah yeah. But I remember otherwise hiding hiding any attractions I had for a long time.
0: Yeah. She sounds wonderful. Like I like <laughs> how I like the idea of like Hawaii chill but like has the convictions to the point that I will get thrown out of this basketball game.
1: Yeah, I don't know. She used to be able to turn on a dime and I really uh, I don't think I knew because I didn't really know as an adult, it's hard to like try to figure out where that came from because mm-hmm. my perspective was probably just so different. I mean, she would also like, I mean, man, if you were being, if you were a neighborhood kid being a huge pain in the ass, like going, cutting through our yard or playing like too much roller hockey out in front of our house. I mean, you did not want to cross my mom. She was like a huge pain in the ass to deal with. And so I think at that time in my life, I was like, if she was like yelling at the other kids in the neighborhood, I was just embarrassed, you know. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know why she was doing that. Like, like, oh, come on, mom. Like, they're just because I'm not out there, like, doesn't mean they're up to no good or anything. Like that. I'm sometimes out there. Like, that's mm-hmm. also my group of like neighborhood friends. Um, so there was that aspect of it I never quite understood. I think she was often stressed out, which is probably why she liked relaxing so much, but also why she kind of had like a bit of an edge to her. Is I think she just generally lived a pretty stressed out life and sort of like worried about a lot of stuff all the time. Um, So there we go. That makes sense. I think (laughs) think she's stressed (laughs) out. She loves to relax and she also gets fired up pretty easily.
0: Well, especially like if you have Hawaii in your past and you need to deal with a Boston winter. Like I imagine there's a lot of not fun with uh digging out cars and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of like why the hell did I move out here type, <laughs> of, uh, type of thing uh which is yeah, which is interesting. But uh but yeah. Yeah. She's she's also um on our our last episode we talked about the Beach Boys and she's definitely the reason I knew the Beach Boys growing up. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you could escape being like a teenager in the in California and Hawaii in the 60s and not be very into the Beach Boys.
0: I think it was legally required. Yeah. Would Would she show you music, like walk you through the story of it, or just kind of
1: put it on? She more put it on and probably deferred a lot to me and my brother and my dad, like whatever we wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. As long as it wasn't annoying, she was probably cool with. And my dad listened to a lot of music. um, Although at that point, kind of like in our childhood, that was a lot of just straight up country music from uh, the time, from the 90s. And so, yeah, I don't know. She never really put stuff on in a way of trying to show us anything or like dictate anything, I don't Mm -hmm. think. But she kind of had her music and often... Her CDs would sort of be in like their own little section away from like my dad's huge CD collection. <laughs> so sometimes actually her CDs were easier to pick through because they were always kind of just like there and, and out. Whereas mm-hmm. my dad's were more like in a drawer that I like was packed with stuff and I'd have to like pick through them. So yeah, it's interesting. I actually talked not that long ago on the show about this Bette Midler album that I had mm-hmm. listened to that was just like the most insane collection of genres i've ever heard and it was an old cd my mom had um yeah. that i like that, that's one i don't think i ever really listened to because at whatever age i came across it i was like oh i don't listen to Pet midler bet midler's lame as hell yeah um and my mom probably would put it on occasion i just didn't really like it right but now as an adult i can listen to that and it's not like that album's not going to find its way into my rotation really but i'd certainly get why she liked it you know, yeah. like, and I get what's cool about mid-90s Bet Miller. Sure. Like, uh, <laughs> this stuff makes a lot more sense to me now um, as an adult. But yeah, she, uh, no, she just kind of, she gave us music by osmosis, I would say. Yeah. Because also her record collection, that's where, like, the Beach Boys were. Mm-hmm. And she definitely liked pop music a lot more than my dad. Um, so... And at my youngest ages, pop was, like, a huge part of what I... Like, Michael Jackson was the king, and I loved him so much. Yeah. And I think the Michael Jackson stuff we had was predominantly my mom's. Yeah,
0: and, like, finding music through osmosis like that is a great way, especially as a kid, because, like, you don't really have access to anything else. Or at least when we were kids, like, was CDs. That's it. Or cassette tapes.
1: Yeah. I also think, um, like, in retrospect, I probably wouldn't have thought of this at the time, but you kind of want, as an adult now operating in the world, it's like you kind of want to be able to be aware of how you're putting music into people's lives mm-hmm. and that there are different ways to do it because my dad was definitely a, like, you should listen to this type of dad. And even more so of like, oh, that shit you listen to is garbage. This is real music. Um, whereas I think my mom, like, quietly didn't like a lot of the stuff that i wanted to listen to as a teenager and quietly still put on her music you know what i mean and uh both approaches get me to listen to stuff Mm -hmm. but you have to kind of know who you're talking to and you have to pick your spots um because there was also certainly a period where i think i was listening to like some whatever punk music uh probably pop punk and my dad trying to convince me that Part of what I like, part of the music that I listened to owed its roots to like the Beatles, right? Yeah. And he um was not wrong. But at the time, I remember like vehemently arguing with him that I was like, Dad, I get what you're saying, but I don't listen to the Beatles. I listen to this band and this band listened to this band, and they're like, Yeah, you can go back far enough, but it's a stupid argument kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it made me not want to listen to the Beatles for several years, Mm -hmm. you know? It really, like, delayed me getting into the Beatles was my dad insisting this thing and kind of, like, uh, pushing it on me in a way that I was just too stubborn at the time to really give a shit about. Yeah. Whereas, man, by contrast, it took zero effort for me to listen to Hawaiian music. (laughs) Like, I was, like, totally into it, you know what I mean? Uh, And I don't think my mom, like, ever once told me I should listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: having two people in your life, one that's like you should listen to this cuz this is the real stuff and the more passive, it's just on the third factor there being the teenager that's trying to be too cool. <laughs> right. Uh is an interesting part of that mix.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got to uh I mean, it's one of those things where like it all works out in adulthood cuz you back up and you're able to like listen. Yeah. But at the time, uh yeah, one of those approaches works a little better than the other. Sure, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember as like a kid, maybe 3rd or 4th grade, this time this the math on this timing might be very off. <laughs> but um Mariah Carey was performing and this was like it was a while ago so she was like just doing sort of the virtuoso singing. Mm-hmm. Um and just having my mom sort of like casually explain like the different octaves she could sing through mm. and like that was never music that was on in the house i never really had access to it but it was such like a very such a specific thing that kind of set me off on this path of like oh that's something i'll pay attention to because that's something that somebody uh that is somebody that is very good at what they do yeah um and yeah to learn sort of passively that way or just oh yeah i've heard this before it's such a cool sort of like catalog to have
1: yeah. in the back of your head. So I also think um, another thing kind of having some Hawaiian music around the house did for me, this is in conjunction, I would say, with my dad had a pretty good late, uh, reggae collection as mm-hmm. well. But between those two things, that was from like pretty young age, like what, what we would have called world music, you know, mm-hmm. especially back in like 95. <laughs> everything that's not produced in North America or Britain. But um, I had a pretty like early introduction to a lot of that in a way that, you know, I'm no expert now, but certainly opened up my ears to really everything. Mm-hmm. And I would say from like a pretty young age, it just uh, kind of always, I don't know, like it was a barrier that never existed for me. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah which I think I've benefited from a lot in uh, adulthood.
0: Yeah. I mean, my parents, when I was a kid, kid would put on like the classical music station when I was going to bed. Um, and I think that definitely sort of set me off on this path of, like, yeah, not having those barriers. And then in high school, when you're trying to define who you are or whatever, yeah. then you put up these, like, I can't listen to that. That's, that's not this thing. It's this thing or whatever. But, yeah, like having that sort of passive layer. um, Yeah. It's nice when things pop up and you can sort of look back and go, oh yeah, this, they definitely were influenced by the Beatles or whatever. Yeah.
1: Well, you listening to classical music when you're younger, it seems like no surprise that you like ambient and sort of, yeah. uh, Oh no, absolutely. You know, a lot of this other type of music now as an adult, that is sort of your, your particular version of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think that makes uh, a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, and it sounds lovely to have a house where you're sitting around just listening to Hawaiian music. It's dope as hell. <laughs> um, well, cool. Thank you for sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, those were wonderful stories about your mom. I wish I could have seen her yell and scream at a <laughs> an umpire. Some kind of official. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh yeah, I mean,
0: th- that was wonderful. So thank you. Uh, of course.
1: And where can people find you? Oh, man, I'm on the internet at eBlarden, uh, Instagram and Twitter. That's where people should look. And I also perform regularly at the Magnet Theater, which is uh, <clears throat> a little comedy theater in Chelsea, in New York City. I'm on Wednesday nights with my improv team, Bodywork, and Friday nights with The Friday Night Show, a very aptly named show. That's convenient. Yeah, um, and then... You and I host this podcast that comes out every week. And we have a live show once a month at QED in Astoria. We do. So those are all the places to find out what's going on with me. Cool. Mostly uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'll give you yeah. everything you need. That's how I track
0: you now yeah. that we don't live together.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just got to look at my social, man. Yeah, I don't call you.
0: Nope. <laughs> That's his last tweet. Um, cool. Well, again, thanks for being here. And To everybody out there, if you could rate, review, tell a friend, uh, subscribe if you haven't already, uh, that would be wonderful. And I don't know, maybe tweet us at Repeater Show. Tell us a song that your mom used to play in the house or your dad or the one CD that like you always hated and then you listened to it recently and you're like, no, this is pretty great. Yeah. Please reach out.
1: Please do.
0: Yeah. And until next time.
1: Hit repeat. Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Cartelli. This episode was recorded at Magnet Training Center in New York City, where they offer classes in improv, musical improv, sketch writing, storytelling, and more. Find out more at MagnetTheater.com. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater.